iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Apple Store Soho. How is everybody feeling tonight? <laughs> Thank you, Patrick. Patrick was a little more excited than the entire room. I said, how's everybody feeling tonight? A little more, a little more noise, a little more noise. There we go. That's what we're looking for. Wonderful. Fantastic. Uh, we invite you to enjoy the trailer for Greenberg. People don't call on my birthday anymore. I guess I don't call people on their birthdays. Why should they call me? It's weird aging, right? Youth is wasted on the young. I'd go further. I'd go, life is wasted on people. Hey, Greenberg, what are you doing these days? You know, I've been in New York, but right now I'm really trying to do nothing for a while. That's brave at our age. Dear Starbucks, in your attempt to manufacture culture out of fast food coffee, you've been surprisingly successful for the most part. The part that isn't covered by the most part sucks. I'm impressed by you. In what way? You seem really fine doing nothing. You don't feel all that pressure to be successful. I mean, by other people's standards. What do people say about me? They think you don't make any efforts. I'm making my brother's family a doghouse. Can we take it slow? I just got out of a long relationship and I don't want to go from just having sex to just having sex to just having sex. Who's the uh, third just having sex? You, if we had sex. He seems vulnerable. My dog is sick. Survival rate is about 50-50. This is stupid, but I can't catch it, right? I no, know. no, it's something only dogs can get. I want to be doing nothing. I'm doing nothing deliberately. You like me so much more than you think you do. I don't understand what happened to me. It's huge to finally embrace the life you never planned on. by you kids because your parents were too perfect at parenting all that um baby mozart and van zane songs you're all add and carpal tunnel hope i die before i end up meeting one of you in a job interview <laughs> ladies and gentlemen please welcome ben stiller greta gerwig and this evening's guest moderator david schwartz from the museum of moving image Good evening, and I just want to um, introduce our guests. Um, Greta Gerwig you, um, has um, been given the label, which she's probably sick of, but the Meryl Streep of Mumblecore. Um, but you know her from movies like LOL, Hannah Takes the Stairs, Baghead, um, the movie that she directed, Nights and Weekends. And um, this is a, a terrific film for her, and we're very glad that she's here this evening. And... And we don't even have time to go through Ben Stiller's amazing filmography as an actor, writer, director, producer. Um, he's the director of Cable Guy, Zoolander, Reality Bites, Tropic Thunder. He's a star of two different franchises. One is not enough. Meet the Parents and Night at the Museum. And, of course, movies like Dodgeball and Flirting with Disaster. 
and the cult favorite, the Ben Stiller show, the TV show. So, welcome. <laughs> so, I guess I'll start with you, Ben. This is an unusual movie for you in some ways. It's, um, you were the host of the IFP Spirit Awards a few weeks ago, just before the Academy Awards, and kind of joked about um, how odd it was that you had done all these big budget Hollywood films and you're representing the independent film. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, no, uh, I didn't host it. I was just okay. presenting an award. But yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's the kind of movie that I've wanted to be a part of. You know, it's just it's hard to uh, will one of those into existence, the right <laughs> thing, and find, you know, and have a filmmaker that you respect and, uh, uh, you know, send you a script and just be lucky enough to get that, that opportunity. I think they're few and far between. So... Uh, you sometimes you'll get a great script or an interesting script, but it's uh, the the director is a question mark. It's hard, you know. It's hard. To, I, I feel like film is such a director's medium, and Noah is such a, a brilliant writer director that when he sent me the script, I would have you know done anything that he sent me really, and uh, it. So I was just it was just kind of the process of finding something that you know felt right. And what was it about the character or the script that appealed to you? This guy Roger Greenberg is. Uh, very interesting, not the, you know, not the most easily lovable, cuddly guy in the world. Yeah, well, I mean, I felt he was a really uh, familiar character. Uh, I think everybody uh, sort of knows somebody like him. I think Noah wrote him in a very specific way. I think he wrote all the characters in a really specific way, where he didn't write these two-dimensional people. He, he wrote him, yeah, he's a tough guy to sort of uh, to like on, on a certain level, but he's also a very real person, and he's just dealing with a lot of... Uh, things that have happened to him in his life that haven't really worked out and he's sort of in denial about it and he's trying to get through the day and he's trying to live with the the rejections and the failures that, that have happened to him over the last 15 or 20 years. Uh, but, you know, we've all had had things like that happen to us and uh, I, I felt like he was a real... He was really just trying to, 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 to make it through and then he meets this person and, and Noah really found the... I think has an empathy for these characters and, and, he, and he ended up writing this really... Uh, I thought a very uh, touching love story, and to find that with, with characters that are not necessarily the easiest to to access was I thought just a tribute to like what he can do as a as a writer. And Greta, could you tell us how you got involved with this? This was, um, a, I guess, a big budget film for you. You'd been doing all these very very low budget but terrific movies. Um, I guess we'll have to. You have a mic. Oh, oh no, no, you have a no, mic. I okay. So um, just tell us about how you came and came to be involved with Greenberg. Oh. Uh, well, I I got the script from my agent and I read it in, it was like Christmas because I, I have never, you know, getting to read a Noah Baumbach script before it becomes a movie was something I'd never experienced before. And so I sat down and I was so excited and I, I read it straight through and I think at the end I went, oh, Noah, I was just, <laughs> it, just it was so good and it was so perfect and, um, and I didn't, I sort of found out that they, they maybe were interested in meeting with me, but they didn't know if I was right for this or, so it was kind of back and forth. And then they finally auditioned me and I uh, auditioned at Noah and Jennifer's um, apartment. Hmm. And um, I, I got to read opposite Jennifer Jason Leigh, which was a thrill. And then I um, sang for them. And when I left, I thought, oh, there's no way <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to, they're not going to give me this part, but Maybe, uh, I thought maybe they'd use me for Gina or another role in another movie at some point. And then, um, <laughs> and then I got the call that they, 
they'd like me to do it again in front of Scott Rudin. <laughs> and then I did it again then, and then I went to L.A., and I auditioned with, with Ben, and he had already started becoming Greenberg. Or when I read with you, you were already... You were already doing it. I was in transition. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You were growing out your hair. Um, But anyway, so... And And she was amazing. She came in and and read and sang a song, a cappella. It was just... And we all were just sort of mesmerized. And, um, you know, Greta, I I, just to... Not to, to, you know, blow smoke up any part of you, but... um, (laughs) But you are an incredibly talented actress and and very self-assured... And, I, you know, it's really amazing because I, I feel like Greta has this... Uh, it's incap- she's incapable of, of being false in her acting and she finds a way to, to just make something real and, and also because she's a writer and director has a sense of how things work. And so we were very uh, excited, excited to, to be a part of uh, a movie that was sort of going to be something that I think a lot of people would see her for the first time. And Thank you. Uh, there's a real interesting chemistry that develops. These are two characters who at first you don't really think that they're going to you know, sort of be attracted to each other in a way. So Greenberg, in a way, he's um, like a slacker, you know, which in a movie like Slacker, if, you know, if you're in your 20s, you can go through this period of sort of doing nothing, and, but he's in his 40s, so it seems oddly inappropriate. So yeah, you- yeah. <laughs> Definitely is, I think, oddly inappropriate. <laughs> Your forties, uh, I think. You know, he, in his twenties, in his early twenties, he was very idealistic. I think he was always very opinionated, and uh, he had a moment in time right when he got out of college where he was in a band, and and uh, they had some opportunities, and they had a, a chance at a record deal, which he didn't take, uh, and he was the guy saying, "We no, you know, let's not take the deal," and and you know. 15, 20 years later, he's dealing with the repercussions of that opportunity having passed and probably like his own sense of uh, feeling uh, that he was superior in some way. Or, you know, just in his head, that, that sort of uh, uh, confidence that he had and, and then just things didn't pan out, you know, and uh, he's been in denial for a while. So, you know, the movie sort of finds him in a place where he, that's all sort of catching up to him and uh, he's having to sort of realize where he's at in his life and accept where he's at in his life. Both of your characters are really self-effacing in a way. Your character is um, the personal assistant for Roger Greenberg's brother. So you're sort of used to you know, serving people and sort of denying your, yourself in a way. Could you talk about how you understood your character and what the relation, you know, what, how you sort of developed an interest in, in Roger Greenberg? Um, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, being a, a personal assistant that she's actually living somebody else's life for them in some ways is um, it was even more apparent in the script before you know, because once you have a preview and you, you know something about the movie but when I read the script before I was he was describing her doing all these activities and picking up dry cleaning and all this stuff and it wasn't immediately apparent that it wasn't her life it wasn't for her and then all of a sudden she's dealing she's talking about f- vacation is for family members only and then you're like oh this isn't her family this isn't her life and um but i think florence has a very she's she's completely heart forward she has none none of the defenses or the boundaries that i mean i have and um i think that what she loves about roger what she sees in roger is this because his exterior it could be neurotic and angry but 
she sees it clearly for just an exterior and there's something underneath that's um, softer and truer. But, uh, but in other people she encounters, I think they're more homogenized. They've more seamlessly integrated their interior and exterior. And I think that kind of horrifies her. And she, there's nothing to touch. And I think when she meets Roger, she can so clearly just see this, this is just on the outside. And it gives her a point of entry. That, um, and I think that that's why she believes in him. And there are aspects of, uh, of your character that remind me a lot of your, your earlier films that, that might have been done in a more like, comic way. You're this character who is, like, has sort of a certain idea about himself, but it doesn't quite match with the reality or doesn't match with how um, the rest of the world sees him. I'm just wondering like, if you could talk about the experience of playing this character because it seems like it's a great piece of acting, I think. It seems it's, um, I think, you know, I think to me it's your finest performance as an actor. I'm sorry, I thought you were talking to Greta for no, that no, no. question. Okay. Um, uh, thank you. I, you know, honestly, I did think you were talking to her for the first part of the question. Um, I might have just been looking at her and, yeah. and talking to you. Could you repeat the question? No. Uh, About how great Yeah, no, you know, I, I think he's a guy who, who doesn't have a, a real sense of himself. And the, the movie, you know, what, what's great about Noah, his work, is that he's really interested in characters. And he's interested in showing people as, as complex Individuals and not just one thing, and not making a movie about an idea. He's making a movie about a character's uh, growth, and but he doesn't want to do a forced sort of movie sort of growth where it's you know unrealistic things happen. So to have the opportunity to be in a, 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 a that sort of context as an actor is a great thing because he writes so specifically about these moments and these interchanges and 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 these interactions that are, are very real and very subtle i think in terms of just human interaction how people affect each other and that's what the movie is and it sort of operates in that you know that context so as an actor you get a chance to sort of do that and he's not afraid to allow people to just be on screen and allow moments to just play out and the pacing is a little bit slower and it's uh you know he loves uh uh a lot of European films yeah. and filmmakers, and uh, I learned about that. You know, he gave us these Eric Romer films when we were making the movie, who I'd never heard of, and um, you know, he, he just he's interested in the in that. And so, as an actor, you just get a chance to do things that are that I think a normal filmmaker, you know, wouldn't really allow you to do because because they're too sort of or you know uh, concerned with keeping the audience. Uh, you know, happy and having a laugh, or you know what you do in a typical comedy. Yet there's a lot of humor within his movies because I think he's showing real life, and and yeah. the, you know he's he's not concerned about having it having to be serious or funny or whatever. He just wants to show reality, and he has a great sense of humor too, so that comes through. What it reminded me of, um, what as you're describing it, is the great American films of the early 1970s, like um, Five Easy Pieces with Jack Nicholson, where you have these sort of character studies. You don't know where they're going to go from one scene to the next and you're yeah. just sort of following the character and he doesn't seem to be concerned with fulfilling certain plot uh, uh, expectations you know his yeah. plot is about the characters there is a plot there but it's not about you know uh, typical plot points like there's a a dog in the movie the dog gets sick but you don't really know what's going to happen to the dog it doesn't really necessarily go the way that it might and the way that he brings the characters together I think is is very uh, real and it's very uh, it's unexpected, and, and just where the movie goes is kind of unexpected, and that's, that's you know, really refreshing. Yeah, and it also, along those lines, has a little bit of the feeling of the Mumblecore movies, in that 
Um, so the way this movie starts, I'm not going to give away too much of it, but there's, it's a scene with you driving around Los Angeles. It, it sort of is, is exploring Los Angeles uh, by following you in a car. And, it, that, and that sort of had the, the aesthetic of these really super low-budget movies. Um, yeah, I think that that, that that section does have that aesthetic a bit, but I think that in many ways, um, I mean, mumblecore is a term, <laughs> it's a... The films predated the term, and it's right. sort of a retroactive term that seems to be a catch-all phrase for anything made under $100,000. But um, uh, in any case, I think that no we one... used to have that with Generation X back in the day, <laughs> back in the old days. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's but in any case, like I, I think that um, Noah Noah's films in many ways are like the the anti the anti mumblecore because they're not they're not they're they're high they're incredibly well they're carefully scripted and every word is exact is read exactly as it was written on the page and his scenes are so. Um, rhythmic that it sounds off if you say the wrong word or if you miss something um, and they have their own internal logic and rhythm to them and um, in that way it was almost like a, a playwright or something and it's not it's not he's not striving to show he's striving to show what people look like when they're fighting for their lives but when they actually are fighting for their lives and I think that that doesn't always look like jumping on a plane or doing something crazy there are a million tiny deaths in human interactions and a million times when something just goes the wrong way and you you needed it for your soul to go the other way and i think that those are what his scenes are and they're incredibly crafted and they come across in these little scenes like sitting in a veterinarian's office or sitting in a restaurant it's a the little moments that he captures these feelings but this, I, I feel like the stakes are so high for yeah. Roger and Florence. Uh, I think that they yeah. need each other. It's also um, one of those films that, it, when you're at that high level of craft of writing, it, it can and filmmaking, it feels improvised, but it's yeah. not. But it, not it's, at all. I yeah. mean, that, that for me, because I'm used to doing that, and you are too, I'm sure. Uh, you know, to be able to to commit to the words on the page was was really. Uh, freeing it was actually a really great thing to do because once we knew we were doing it word for word then it became about figuring out how to fill those words with you know the reality that they needed as opposed to make them easier to say so that you know be more convenient for the actor uh and he writes so well i think it's it takes like like you said a level of of talent uh to to do that and to trust in that and it was very uh it was a great experience to to be able to say the words and and to find the rhythms in the dialogue, and uh, and yet, you know, it felt very free too. I, I can't say enough about Noah. I think we both feel the same way that he's just such a great director because, though he's written these these words and you're doing word by word and word for word, and he also allows a real freedom of interpretation and in what you're bringing to it, also, and uh, he's just a wonderful presence. You know, I wish he was here because you, the guy is so interesting as a person. You know, he's got his own. He's got his own pace in life. He's a really smart, funny guy. You know, his movies are really introspective and 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 very uh, you know uh, independent. But he also has a great sense of humor and you know loves SCTV and has you know there's right. a whole other side, really kooky side to him too. And he also, I just like a, I just find him a fascinating personality and uh, 
he and the did you the, have SCTV in common? I thought, yeah, I we did have SCTV your, in common. I read yeah. that your parents and you used to just sit and watch SCTV. Yeah, not my parents as much, okay. but my me and my uh, <laughs> and my sister and I used to watch it a okay. lot together. And uh, that for me was one of the first things that I saw. I was like, oh, this is amazing. This is what I want to do and do comedy like this and seeing John Candy and Eugene Levy and. Martin Short and Rick Moranis, all those guys, are just incredible classic stuff. And so, so Noah and I have that reference point, which we both, uh, you know, really enjoy having. Uh, so anyway, to, to work with somebody like that who is both very uh, clear on what they want, but also allows freedom for the actors to bring what they bring and supports that is, I think, a rare thing. Mm-hmm. And did you feel like you were going to new depths as an actor? Well, I felt like I had the opportunity to explore uh, things that I haven't really had in other kinds of movies or for a long time, for a while, because of the context of what Noah was doing and also the trust in Noah to, to really take chances and, and, you know, and be able to go for things and say, you know, this is about a specific person that he's written so specifically on the page that as an actor, like, you, all you can do is just try to bring as much specificity to it as he's written, because that's your responsibility. So that was, you know, fun and was a, it was great. And then to be able to work with uh, Greta and Reese Iffens, uh, <laughs> was no, it was amazing because Greta had such an ownership of the role from the beginning and really took it so seriously and, you know, uh, treated her character as a real person from the beginning and, and not in like some sort of bullshit actor sort of way, but like as just a, she had a, a true... Uh, sort of uh, feeling of proprietary sort of protectiveness for this person and that really inspired me because I felt okay if she's approaching it this way I better approach it this way too and by the end of the process I think we all were affected by it I mean I remember the last day of shooting we were all I don't know I just had never had that experience I remember shooting that last scene near the end and Hmm. it was it was it was uh, you know there was a real feeling there of like wow this is coming to an end there was sort of a sadness and um, I don't know you know it can sound cliche when you talk about it in, in, in retrospect, but it's uh, it was a, a real thing. But was it okay working with Ben Stiller? Oh, <laughs> it was amazing. It was. Um, I I can't. I I verge on gushing when I talk about you, and it's embarrassing to do it in front of you. So you want me to leave? Or no, <laughs> you know, could you go over there? The shop. I mean, he's. He's so great in everything he does, but in this movie, I, I feel like I, I was so lucky that I got to be the person acting next to him because I think that what he did with the part, it just did 90% of the work for me. I just, anytime I felt myself getting, you know, in my head or things where I was like, just sit the fuck down and look at him. It will be fine. He's doing everything you need. So um, I think that that was... I mean, you're so great in this. I just um, can't... I'm so... I'm so uh, flutter, flustered when I talk about you. Thank okay. you. Okay. <laughs> so we'll stop. We'll stop. I, I, mean, I, I honestly you know, I know. could go on about it's, Greta. And I'm sure you guys just want to hear us talk about each other. <laughs> I know. I'll tell you but, what. Uh, but honestly, you know, Greta, Greta really, uh, I, I could say the same thing. And, and uh, you know, just to have the, the sense to know in her own process, you know, first time doing a movie like this, to know to be able to say, hey, I got to go just to being with the other actor, which is a simple thing. But any actor needs to do that. I think when you're trying, when you're going like, "What am I doing?" or you're self-conscious, like you have this other actor there. And I, I honestly felt like we had a real partnership doing the movie. And you know, we both had to know all these lines yeah. because <laughs> Noah would, you know, he does Couldn't shoot the script. Yeah. So like, you shoot the whole scene through. So every scene, 
they're not short scenes, so you'd have to come in knowing like seven or eight pages of dialogue, word for word. So even just running the scenes together, yeah. just to be there for each other to pick up our cues, like you know, you'd finish the first scene and you'd be like, "All right, we got the lines," <laughs> we you know, it. It, the first take, you know, and then and then you knew there would be a few more takes. So it became a sort of a thing where it's like just getting through it then right. became, you know, a part of the process too. But the the way Harris also set up the cameras for a lot of stuff, we were able to run seven or six or seven pages of dialogue in a row. So I felt like we really got to like act in these mini plays with this each other. This is Harris Savides, a cinematographer yeah. who's yeah. like you know brilliant cinematographer and yeah. so out, so uh, you know non invasive the way they shot the movie. Uh, they shot you know the cameras were sort of far away and on longer lenses and. So we were just sort of able to do our thing, and then they were just doing whatever they were doing, which we didn't know. It would just be Harris and Jennifer and uh, Noah, like, huddled by this little monitor. monitor. Because <laughs> cause also, Noah doesn't, you know, he works very bare bones, so there's no chairs on the set. Yeah. It took me two weeks to realize there were no director's chairs on the set. <laughs> like, at, 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 at two weeks in, I was like, where's my chair? I want to sit down. And then I realized, oh, no, there's no chairs on the set. <laughs> there were just uh, Apple boxes, you know, these boxes that, that the grips use, and... Uh, and no monitors, so you could never go and look at a playback of yourself, which wasn't so healthy and good. And uh, you know, and then it was just about watching Noah and Jennifer <laughs> and and Harris just like huddle over the monitor after you do a take, and then they sort of like whisper to each other. <laughs> and watch them walk yeah, over. and it would be a long time of sort of like discussion, and then it'd be like do it again and do you know? Yeah. So and, just, uh, yeah. just to make sure people know, Jennifer, Jason, Lee, uh, just in case we hadn't mentioned, um, co-wrote. The film and was I think very involved in it. She also gives a great performance in it. It's a small. It's amazing, and for me too, it was just a great opportunity. I never gotten a chance to act with her and to be able to be in the film with her was a, a, a real bonus. Yeah. So I want to ask you about one thing and then open it up to the audience. But you were involved in something that I think was terrific um, in support of, of Haitian relief, um, and it's yeah. something that is available on iTunes. It's a very entertaining thing um, called the Night of 140 Tweets that people can. Download yes. now on iTunes. Yes. Could you tell us about that? And I think, and maybe share one of your favorite tweets. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, well, first of all, yeah, it's, it, was, it was an idea by a, a comedian named Paul Shear, who's in a group called Human Giant with uh, Rob Hubel and Aziz Ansari. And he had this idea, uh, why not have com people come up on stage live at the UCB Theater in, in Los Angeles, Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, and uh, read their favorite tweet. And he had, a, it's called it a Night of 140 Tweets. So uh, everybody got up, and uh, there's a lot of people who showed up for it. Will Ferrell showed up, and uh, just tons of uh, funny people. Um, and everybody got up and read their favorite tweet, and we recorded it, and you can get it on iTunes, and it all goes to, uh, all the proceeds go to Artists for Peace and Justice, which is uh, an organization that I'm involved in, which is building temporary schools right now down in Haiti uh, with another group called Architecture for Humanity. So it was a really fun evening. I, I, I just watched it. And I realized it's incredibly dirty. Uh, it's really bad language in it because okay. everybody's reading these really, you know, risque tweets. My tweet was clean, but uh, there's uh, so I hope it has like some sort of like warning graphic language. But if you're an adult, you can enjoy it. I, I maybe not have your kids, you know. It sounds very innocent. Night of 140 tweets, but you probably right. want to keep it away from kids. Um, could you share your tweet if it's not? It's My not tweet was well. What the funny thing was. <laughs> to me, or not funny, sort of distressing, was that uh, I looked, I got printed out all of the tweets that I have tweeted over the last six months or whatever since I started, and I thought, oh, I gotta have, there's gotta be a bunch of gems in there over the last six months. And basically, I'm just like retweeting funny people's tweets, 
uh, you know, like Conan O'Brien or something like that. Or and then it get I got down to literally there were like two choices that I that were even close to funny enough. And and the one I went with uh, was uh, uh, something like uh, uh, re- and relaxing on a desert island, really enjoying, totally disconnecting from the world. <laughs> That's a tweet. <laughs> Which was somewhat ironic. Yes. <laughs> Meant to be ironic since I was tweeting it. Um, it got about that response. It was actually a little more... Was a little, but the good thing about the night, which was great, is that it's like everybody comes up and just reads one tweet. So if you don't enjoy it, it's like you're on to the next person. you know. And there's a naked guy who got up and read a tweet that was really funny where he said, like, had a dream that I was naked standing in front of a crowd right. reading a tweet. Um, and uh, that was enjoyable. Okay, so on that, let's go to the uh, audience. So raise your hand, and we have microphones, so right over here. Right here. Hi. Um, at first, I saw the film, and it was excellent, um, so I, I really enjoyed it. But also, my question was for Ben. Um, was there a lot of pressure to make the character likable because he really is kind of a jerk? Um, thank you. Uh, the, uh, there was no, there wasn't. I mean, I, what I liked about uh, the movie and the script and, and Noah's approach was really not to... It wasn't like to make him a jerk. I, I felt like it was just to show him as a real person. And I think there are, are, are people that are like this. I, I think there are aspects of myself in there, aspects of people I know, friends. Um, you know, the idea was for Noah to show someone who maybe isn't the most the easily, most easily accessible person, but is also a human being. I don't think he's interested in just showing people for their sort of like, you know, how horrible human beings can be and like just deal with it. I think he has a real empathy for the characters. And so uh, it was, what I thought was interesting about the movie was that he's going to show two people that you might not necessarily see in a movie uh, who as, as the main characters, as the, you know, the heroes of the story. And how do you, how do you embrace those people? And how do you, see yourself in them and allow an audience to to take a journey with them and, and that's that's the challenging part of it I think but what you have to do when you do that is just basically not worry about uh, how it's going to be perceived and I think some certain people can you know accept that and other people I think are used to seeing characters on screen where they go you know what I don't I don't want to see somebody who has this many flaws but that's what I liked about the movie one here in the third row not um, to get off the subject um, I was just curious, if you wasn't acting, what would you be doing now? The question is for both of you. If you wasn't acting right now, what would you be doing? I'd be an SAT tutor. <laughs> <laughs> I was up until <laughs> not that long ago. No, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I would probably do some, be doing that or... I mean, I was always sure that um, I wasn't that acting was necessarily what I had to do, but I, I knew that I had to be part of either theater or film, and I was going to do it no matter how I could do it, um, which is why I've like I worked as a stage manager and I've programmed light boards and I've held booms and um, and if at any point people stop hiring me as an actor, I'll I'll find a way to worm my way into another another facet of. Um, Film and theater. I just love the world and the people. I don't think you have to worry too much about this. <laughs> but you've directed too. Do you want to direct more? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I always I grew up in a show business, you know, com- community, which I always just it was always part of my life, and uh, I don't think I ever considered doing anything else seriously. I mean, I was interested in archaeology when I was a kid, and astronomy also. Um, but you know, astronomy—you need to have a facility with math, 
which I do not have, um, which I realized early on when I hit... Um, uh, not, I'm not going to say multiplication, but I'm going to say algebra, like the algebra pre-trigonometry. I went to a weird school, too, on the Upper West Side. It wasn't weird. It's a good school. It's called Calhoun, but it was a progressive school, and it was very um, loose. So you would have classes where you could sort of take alternative math classes. So instead of geometry, they also had something called informal geometry, <laughs> where you didn't have to learn all the formal geometric requirements. And that might have been my undoing. Another one way over here on your far left. Uh, do you find it hard to switch off being a director when you're on set on someone else's set? Uh, not at all, especially when you're working with somebody like Noah. I mean, I think, I think directing is such a subjective thing anyway. I mean, it's, it, it's literally that's what directing is. It's, it's the person's point of view of how they're going to make the movie because it can be done so many different ways, and that's what filmmaking is. So... I actually really look forward to working with uh, a director who has a point of view and, and knows what they want. And, you know, someone like Noah, who I sort of put in a category of, you know, very few filmmakers who, like I said earlier, kind of would, you, they call up, you do anything they ask you to do. And then the, the so, so you never know what the process is going to be like um, because when you're in that world, you are, you sort of have to trust the director and trust their process. And that can mean doing things you don't quite understand why you're doing them, maybe doing a lot of takes and not knowing why. Um, and it's all got to be about giving up that, that power, really, giving up the sense that you know what is right, because you don't. And uh, you can't know what they want. You can't know how they're going to put it together. So I think that's the only way to, to, to go into a situation like that. And it's actually you know, very freeing, and, uh, and I enjoyed it. Over here to the right. Uh, hi. Um, it's sort of a question about like the general process because we're like here on a media trip at the moment and we're doing filming, and um, we find or I found that we try and shoot in the right order. Do you when your films? I know they're like done in different scenes and all that kind of thing. Do you find it hard to switch from one scene to another and try and realise what's happened to the actor in that time? You're visiting from France. <laughs> no. Were you England? Um, welcome. I. Do um, you want to talk about that? Sh shooting out of order. It's hard. You know, I think that's part of uh, the the job and acting in a film is you have to really, you have to track where you're at in the movie because most movies are shot out of order. Usually, it's based on you know money and convenience. If you're at one location, you're going to shoot all the scenes at that one location, as you probably know. Um, so if you're uh, in the house, like we shot all the scenes in the house together, but we did shoot them in the order they, they happened in the, in the movie. And I think you're always trying to shoot as much in order as possible, but it's just impossible. So you have to uh, really know the script, I think, and read the script a lot and, and go through it and do whatever work you do personally on it so that when you get to a scene, you, you're really aware of like, where you just came from and where you're going and, and that's a lot of what the director is, uh, you know, talking to you about. And uh, it's a guess, kind of. You kind of have to guess where you're going to be at and make a choice and say, okay, you know, this person is at this place and I'm going to go for that. Because it can feel weird out of order. It can feel like, well, have I, you know, is this earned this level of where I'm at? But that's, that's kind of a part of the deal, which is so different than acting in a play 
where you know you're you're totally in charge as an actor of taking you know the the, the whole thing on a journey every night, which is a great feeling as an actor. It's much more, I think, uh, you know, satisfying in a way uh, because you have that full. Right? Would you say? I mean, I think in some ways it's kind of exciting to. Um, it really requires you to use your whole imagination when you f- first start using a movie, shooting a movie, because you don't, you haven't shot that stuff yet. So um, you're kind of projecting and using all these mental frameworks to get yourself there. But there's like, you know, I, I think every day, I, I think you did this too. I'd read up to the point. Every scene we shot, I'd, I'd, every day I'd read up to the point in the script where the scene comes and then just kind of reconstruct from there. And yeah. there's like lots of little tricks to kind of get yourself but then you always reach that tip over point where you're like we shot that scene and now we're now I'm reacting to and so you have it actually happened um, which is always kind of exciting that helps I think too once you get to that point I think that's a really good thing to do to read up to the point where you're at in the movie you know before you do the scene it it never hurts to you know this script the more I read it the more I got from it and the more I, I really felt an empathy for the characters and understood them more. And Do you watch your own performances during the process of shooting the film? No. You know, it, was re- it would have been impossible on this one because he had no playback. Huh. So that's a great thing because you just, you know, no matter how fast you'd run to the monitor, you would not catch yourself. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, I made a choice not to. I've done that during movies. You look at dailies or if you're directing yourself in a movie, you obviously have to watch yourself. Um, but it was really great not to look at anything and to just, I, I found it so, like I said, freeing. It was just great not to have that sense. I looked at the, I looked at the, the p- pictures that, um, the customer, t- Mark Bridges took because I wanted it, some picture of how she looks, but I didn't, I didn't want to actually watch scenes, but to have some external reality of, of what the characters are. Hi there, I'm also from the media trip, um, but I'm also a drama student um, in England. And I was wondering, what do you think it takes to be a good actor, personally? And to the both of you, this question is. <laughs> good. I, you know, I don't know. You know I, I think it takes uh, some... You know, I, when I look at actors who I really admire... Uh, first of all, I think it takes uh, a commitment and a willingness to just persevere because you, you progress. You know, I think I, I auditioned for uh, years and years before I got a job. And I think I got a job when I was ready to get a job, when I was, you know, worthy of getting a job. Because uh, I was bad a lot of the time. And, and you know, you're always your willingness to take chances. You're going to be bad. You know, people, you have to be willing to, to, to deal with the fact that everybody's always going to have an opinion. You just have to really want to do it and be willing to persevere and and then I think it's just you know the people who I admire as actors you know, from Greta all the way through like Sean Penn or Robert Downey or someone like that they're just an innate thing that they have where it's a you know it's a talent that's there so I think in terms of being a, a great actor which I look at and I go you know no matter how much you study somebody you can't you know you can't replicate that it's just some people just have something you know I remember watching like Downey when we were doing Tropic Thunder and I'd just be like studying him. It was kind of like the relationship we had in the movie. My character was like an actor who wanted to be. A, and I, was, I felt the same way. I was like, I'm watching this guy be brilliant. And I, I, how does he do it? And just, I don't know. He's just, he's just really good. 
Um, but it's, the other stuff you could work at, and I think you just sort of commit to saying this is going to be my life and this is what I want to do no matter what. Did it help to be from a showbiz family in a way? Well, I think it helped to have the support of my parents in a, in a world where they understood how much rejection there is and how much you have to deal with, uh, you know, just that, that part of the business. And they understood and supported uh, myself and my sister. And I think it can be hard to understand that for people who haven't had that experience. But your parents seem to be very supportive of you, right? Yeah, they are. They, my parents aren't in um, show, show business at all. No one I knew growing up was in show business. They grew up in Sacramento, California, and uh, and it wasn't until I got to New York and I had certain professors tell me um, this is a job and you can do this job if you know you stick to it. Um, it, it and it suddenly became more accessible. Um, but I, I mean, as far as what what makes an a, a good actor, I I don't know. But I do know that when you see really good acting on film or on stage, it's it's like somebody telling you that they love you. It's so vulnerable and amazing, and I and I can't. And it, it it's 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 so wonderful when it happens. And I think um, I think there's something about it that's um, that's really um, selfless when it's done well. And I and I think that that's kind of always um, what, what you just kind of keep throwing yourself at it, at things and seeing what sticks but I, I don't know I just have so much fun doing it and I love I, like I said I just love the world so much and I just um, I, I think I'm all of the the hardship is like it's like a small price to pay for getting to do it we have time for two more we have okay. one over here to your right hi I had like the most stupid question I was asking I'm going to ask you but I'm actually like not considering asking it to you. So instead, um, I was going to ask, like, um, I've always wanted to, like, write a screenplay. I mean, like, I mean I've written a novel before. And um, I was, like, I was thinking that if you write a screenplay, no matter what, it's always going to be a cliché. I mean, how do you go about writing a screenplay without it being completely criticised as a cliché? Do you have a green card? Who are you? <laughs> you've written you've written a number of screenplays I have yeah I've co-written and uh, I, I you know I, I think you just have to have a belief in what you're doing I mean how do you do it you just have to trust that what you're writing is you, you like it you know and that you think it's worth and then I think to have an awareness of not wanting to do something that you've seen before or try, trying for some sort of originality it's all you can try for you know and have that awareness I think that's good to have that awareness but then it's sort of, uh, you know, just writing what you connect with personally. I think don't edit yourself before somebody else edits you. I mean, I think sometimes um, when people talk about writing screenplays or making movies, they they say, oh, I want to do that, but no one will ever make that movie, or I want to do this, but that's not a good... I mean, someone else will tell you you're bad. Don't do it to yourself. <laughs> Stick with what y- y- you think is interesting. Um, and also having collaborators around you who can kind of tell you, call BS on things uh, is important. Last question over here. Um, I guess going back to the, the acting part, um, if you had one piece of advice that you could give an actor, what would it be? Oh wow! I, I you know 
do a movie with Noah Baumbach because <laughs> he's good. <laughs> Work with good people. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I go back to the, the perseverance part. Uh, you know, if you love it, just do it no matter what. You know, because it's, it's, that's, you got to just keep doing it. I'd say um, uh, ex exhaust all possible routes to doing what you want to do. Um, I, I think, I mean, I say this half jokingly, but I was auditioning for movies and no one was hiring me, so I got my friends together and we made movies that I was in. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 not that that's what everyone should do, but I, I think, you know, be prepared to fail and be prepared to have people tell you that you're not good, um, but just keep doing it. And, and, and also, I mean, it, it, you know if it makes you ha happy and if it, it makes you feel alive. And I think that to just keep seeking those experiences out as opposed to constantly banging your head against the same door, um, whatever it is, if it's doing a play with your friends in the, in the Catskills you know, which I've done, <laughs> or whatever it is, just keep seeking those things out because I think everything else kind of makes itself clear if you just if you just keep going towards those things. There must be something about not being afraid. Your your film, your acting is always very unselfconscious and and sort of vulnerable in, in a way. I don't know if you can talk about where that comes from. Well, I think part of it is like a lot of the film, the smaller films that I made, we made them without knowing that people would watch them. Um, which was helped. And then um, with Noah's film, I just was so... I, I just trusted him so much, and I just think that... Um, I trusted the characters a lot, and, 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 and what Ben was doing was so vulnerable and so open, and so... Um, it, you, couldn't, you couldn't not give yourself wholly. And any time that I, I felt uh, some falseness creep in it would just boomerang back and hit me on the head. Um, so I just had to keep um, keep open, and it was aided by Noah and Jennifer and Ben and their 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 presence and their gifts and their genius. Yeah, um, yeah I, I also think, yeah, I mean, it's... Um, the thing about movies that I like is that you have a chance to... There's this, you, know, you get to do it again. You get to do it more than once or twice. Uh, and I think there's like a false security that I really like in that, where you can always go, well, you know, they, they, they probably won't use that take. You know, I can go again. again. There's going to be a number of takes. And as opposed to like a, a live thing where it's just like, that's it, which gets me very nervous. I, so I feel like this sort of false sense of security that I like to have, uh, that, you know what, we're just going to try this, and if it doesn't work, we'll do it again. And it's just film the camera and... Uh, We'll just keep doing it until everybody feels like we got something we can use. And uh, that, to me, is really freeing because it's a chance to be really bad. And if it really, uh, you got to be willing to just say, you know, take a chance and, and suck. And uh, <laughs> it, it, you just never know. And that's the only way you can sort of put it out there and, and trust that at some, at some point the director's going to be like, yeah, we got it. And well, thank you so much. I think you both took risks on this film, and it's really a triumph, artistic triumph. So congratulations, and thanks for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, keep it going for Ben Stiller and Greta Gerwig. Thank you.